we begin a new series this week called Staying Power. Let me give you the bottom line for today and really for the whole series. We grow spiritually by the commitments we make. This is a series about how to grow in your faith as a follower of Jesus Christ and the commitments we want to help you make in order to do that. Last January, I made a number of ambitious New Year's resolutions, and one in particular was to begin to play disc golf. Not only would it be good exercise for me, it would be a fun way to be active and to spend time with a couple of friends. I've not yet played. I have a whole list of reasons for you know not doing it. Too busy, COVID-19 shut everything down. Then it's too hot during the summer, and then and then and then. Looking back, I tried to reflect on the excuses I made for not doing it, much less for keeping up with it. But that's all they were, excuses. I could have played and stuck with it, but I didn't. Commitments and excuses for not keeping them are all a part of life, and the tension between the two never completely goes away. Marriage, family, work life, all of it asks a lot of us. Church can fall into that category too. Spiritual commitments should be a part of life as well. But you might be thinking, I'm already committed. In fact, I'm overcommitted. Why would I want to add any more commitments? And even further, why does spiritual growth really matter anyway? I believe in God. I go to church. Well, most of the time. I pray when I remember to. And I'm a good person. I mean, I try to live a good life. But without a commitment to growing spiritually, you're actually depriving yourself. Spiritual growth empowers you to identify your purpose and to accomplish what God has created you to do. Spiritual growth enables you to become the best version of yourself, the person God created you to be. Spiritual growth encourages you to love the people around you in the way you want that you want to love them, but often fail to. Spiritual growth allows you to love and care for yourself in a way that is healthy and helpful. Your most important objective in life should be to grow spiritually. It's more important than your job, your career, your relationships, your friendships, your marriage, and and your kids, because it can assure your success with all of those areas of your life. That's why we should be open to and interested in spiritual growth. But being open to growth is not enough. Anyone can be open to growth. But to actually grow, you've got to make a commitment. That's why we're calling this series Staying Power. Staying Power is absolutely necessary for spiritual growth because there are obstacles to growing spiritually. Everything else in the world feels more important, more urgent, more real than your spiritual life. Everything gets in the way of making any kind of spiritual commitment. Your kids, your your work, sports family obligations, TV, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Well, you get it. And the rest of the world doesn't really support, much less encourage your spiritual growth. We're encouraged to lose weight, to get in shape, to buy that new car, or to finally take that vacation. Nobody, nobody is encouraging you to grow spiritually. Besides, it takes time. 
There is no microwaving your spiritual maturity. There are no shortcuts or silver bullets to becoming the person God created you to be, you know, the best version of yourself. Spiritual maturity requires commitment and obedience. Think about it. If you were going to run the Boston Marathon, you wouldn't sign up the week before and try to run it. You make a commitment and prepare yourself for months, possibly even years. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a process. We're going to take some time to take a look at this. We're going to take a look at a passage from the Gospel of Matthew today, a parable that Jesus uses to describe the kingdom of heaven, which is always a reference to Christ's rule on earth and the blessings that flow from his reign. In this case, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders who were opposing him. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is just like a big party, just like a banquet given by a king. This is an analogy that Jesus used over and over again. Often, we don't want to commit to spiritual exercises because they seem too hard or boring. This was never how Jesus described life with God. Instead, he chose to compare the spiritual life, well, to a party. When we talk about spiritual growth, it's about learning to identify and enjoy the things God has in store for us right now, about developing the right character to recognize and receive God's gifts. In the parable, like in our own culture, weddings were a big deal, a very big deal, even longer and more elaborate than we experience today. Wedding celebrations then lots of times lasted for a week. People made them a priority and were usually willing to travel and spend a lot of money to be a part of one when invited. A wedding feast thrown by a king would obviously be a big deal. Everyone would want to come. But that's not what happened. We are told the king sent his servants out to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. They simply ignored the invitation. It's important to recognize in parables that just how unlikely the scenarios are that they describe. They're so unlikely that those listening to them would have thought it was ridiculous. I mean, come on, man. Of course they would have gone. So the king refuses to take no for an answer. A second time, he sent out other servants saying, tell those invited, behold, I've prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed and evening is ready. Come to the feast. I mean, we're talking surf and turf, a pasta bar, sushi stations, top shelf liquor, an amazing location, and an all-A-list guest list. The party of the year. You don't want to miss it. But some ignored the invitation and went away. It says one to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized the king's servants, mistreated, and killed them. This is an absurd story, of course. But it is an allegory, a story which all the characters and details represent something else, something in real life. In this case, Jesus is summing up the history of Israel and how they had historically ignored God's invitation and mistreated God's prophets. So the king, undeterred with his in, in, ingratitude and hostile, hostility, preserves in his desire to throw a great party for his son and fill this party with guests. And so he says, the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever, whomever you find. 
The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. Those invited were not worthy to come because they ignored and rejected the invitation. They made themselves unworthy by their indifference and their hostility to the invitation. In order to fill the feast, the servants go out and invite anyone they can find. They bring in good and bad alike. Everyone is invited. The party is finally filled. But then there's a twist in the story. When the king came to meet the guests, he saw a man there who did not dress in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? The man gave no answer. The twist is, not only would the king have provided the feast for his guests, he would have also provided wedding clothes. This was sometimes a custom, especially among the elect, the elite. But it would have been necessary for these guests at this banquet since they were brought in directly from the streets. They would have had no time to go home and change, and most wouldn't have had anything to change into that would have been worthy of such a feast. Evidently, this one particular guest refused to put on the new garment. And so the parable ends sadly. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. So they throw him out. Was it only because he didn't like the way he was dressed? Well, no. But because he refused to participate in the feast. He refused to commit to the party in the simplest way possible, by simply just changing his clothes. He came as a consumer without commitment. Without any commitment, he doesn't really belong at the banquet. You can come to the party as a consumer. You can just can't stay that way. So God invites us to be a part of his kingdom on earth, to be a part of what he is already doing. And he even offers the grace we need to accept the invitation and grow spiritually. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the commitments we think are vital for spiritual growth. Those spiritual commitments are practicing prayer and sacraments, sharing your faith, engaging in small groups, service, and tithing. These are commitments we want to help you to make and keep in order to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be talking more about each of these spiritual commitments over the course of this series. So, if you would, commit to this series. If you're not going to be in Mass in person, make sure you join us online. Our live stream Mass is on Facebook and our YouTube channel. Also, you can listen to it on this podcast. We're all invited to the party, and you can come just as you are. You're just not supposed to stay that way.